today's episode of The Square. We are on the road again. We are in the L.A. office, and I'm here with Anthony Wong. Thank you so much for being with us, Anthony. Pleasure to be here. And I, this office is one of my favorites, not just because of the design and decor, but the people that we get to meet, and I love the California weather compared to Texas. <laughs> it is so much cooler. Um, but you have, speaking of cool places, you've been kind of all over the world and kind of had all these different experiences before you got to Corgan. Um, yeah. And before we jump into hearing about all that, I've got to know, like, what's something that you do that has nothing to do with design and architecture? Hmm. Um, I always love sports. Mm -hmm. Until now. <laughs> until now. <laughs> until now, because I'm a little older and getting different pains from different sports and stuff. So, so you like playing sports? Um, yeah. Semi-competitive. You know, I play softball. I play, I play that in New York as well as here awesome. um, since school um, that I played pretty competitive. There's an architecture league here That's and that, cool. that I didn't think was competitive enough. So I did not play in that. <laughs> I played in the city league. It wasn't up to your bar. <laughs> no. Um, so, so, th so that's fun. Um, I also uh, used to play basketball. Okay. Um, I still ride my bike on the weekends on and off. Um, before I started Corgan, I actually swim once a week. So, wow. so I used to be, be able to like do you were that always kind of doing something. Yeah, until like I said, until now. <laughs> <laughs> was that something like as a kid you were always just active and playing sports and it just stayed with you? I th I think so. It's just like one of those things that I like I like doing. Um, I don't like going to the gym because it's kind of stationary in one place. Yeah. Um, but you know, swimming, hiking, whatever out there, being I outside, love it. even as a kid, learning how to play baseball, you know, for the first time, all that's fun. So, um, playing playing sports is it's one of those things that I always enjoy. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about growing up. So I was born in Taiwan, um, in a little town. Most people from Taiwan are from Taipei or whatever. I actually uh, grew up in Taitung. Okay. It's like the east part of um, tai, um, uh, Taiwan. All right. How small are we talking here? It's really small. I think the whole city has one one traffic light. <laughs> okay. So small. I <laughs> it's got It's really you. small. And we we basically you know gone around everywhere with with bicycle. Mm -hmm. I used to be. I have um, I have a sister. So a lot of times when we when we go out, my my dad will take me on the bike, and my mom will take my sister on the bike, or vice versa, and that's that's the that's family. how you got around. Yeah, that's how we got around. So, what well, like what are some of the fondest memories you have growing up there? Well, lots. Um, the food there is great. The open market, um, everybody knows everybody. So yeah. you'll walk by, and the, tea, um, the 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 vendors will say, "Hey, Mr. Wang, Mr. Wang, whatever. Yeah, we have this special today. You know, it's a, it's actually especially good. Yeah." Um, and also just growing up there, we never have to think about our safety. You know, mm -hmm. we play out in the farm field, the yeah. sugarcane field, um, out catch fish, butterfly, dragonfly, you know, all that stuff. So all those things is pretty unique compared to most people's childhood. And one day I like to, if possible, retire back there. So it's it's kind of like a, the whole a, a circle full cycle. Yeah. Was there a <laughs> point in time growing up where you realized you really enjoyed design or architecture? I didn't know about architecture, but I always knew that I loved to draw. Mm. Um, you, if you look at any of my notes from from elementary school through college. My notes will be here, and then there will be a bunch of scribbles around <laughs> my notes. And it just, it's been like that all the time. 
I wasn't really exposed to architecture. I was talking to someone yesterday um, until second semester or senior year. Oh, so really? it was pretty late. I did not know what architecture is about. I just know that I like I like I like to draw. Yeah. And and I I was pretty good in math. wasn't Great. I, for a while, I thought I was going to be an engineer um, in high school. Got it. And then I had a, a real math teacher who kind of challenged us, and I did not have the passion to sit there for four hours <laughs> for one problem. And I see some other people did. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm, I may be pretty, pretty good at this, but I really didn't have But I don't want to be a mathematician. I didn't have the passion to yeah. sit there, and then if I do that... If I'm trying to send something to Moon, it may end up in Mars or somewhere yeah. else. So I said, nah, that's not me. <clears throat> so was so you, you got to your second semester senior year, you realized that there's this field of architecture. And then was it one of those things where you just kind of like fell in love at first sight? Or was it something that kind of grew in terms of a passion? It, it kind of grew. So from there... Um, I did apply to architecture school, but being so late, didn't get accepted into any any other schools. Mm. I went to USC as undeclared, and from there, I got to see what architecture students were doing, yeah. and and that's when I thought, okay, this is where I want to be, this is what I want to do, and so it's I think it's much better than some of the some of the kids, you know, me included that maybe decide that in high school or thinking that that's what I wanted to do and yeah. then gone in there and said, ooh. What have, is, I, what have I done? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was there somebody that kind of stands out, whether it was in Taipei or, or here in the States, that stands out to you as somebody that kind of inspired you, whether it was in drawing or learning or curiosity? I, I You know, I have to say going through architecture school, um, one of the professor um, at USC, he is the – inspirator and and my mentor mm. um, not a mentor that in a sense that I go to him every day right but he I had him two semesters plus a summer program in Rome um, he, he kind of changed course for me and he also kind of helped me in the sense that I'm in a, in a room in the dark and he comes in with a just turn on the lights mm. and so th- that's how I felt with with that I still remember um, Halfway through architecture school, I was about to call it quit because I, I did not have a did not have a good semester, almost a whole year just was not fun. And then I went to the Rome program with him. That changed everything. That kind of rekindled it all. That rekindled it all, and and um, and then also during thesis, I had him for thesis, and I was struggling for some some kind of design over spring break. He came back. And just show us some some of the slides of the Greek temple that mm-hmm. he just visited, and again rekindles everything. I oh, mean, th- those awesome. are the the inspirators, yeah. you know. And I like to be I like to be like that with some of the younger architects to help them to get excited with with um, with things because that's how I was impacted. That's so. awesome. <clears throat> You've been exposed to a lot of different kind of. Um, schools of thought when it comes to architecture and design, different companies that you've worked yeah. with. You started at IMP. What was that like? It was very interesting for me. <clears throat> that was the first pro- <clears throat> first office worked in after finishing school. Um, working over there, I, I was the very first project was great. <clears throat> I was around a very small project, which is unique for that office. Mm-hmm. Um, we only have four people on that team. Normally, it's eight, ten, or more. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, and that one, I got to kind of learn some of the technical things. 
And then while being in the office, I know geometry is the big thing. Mm. You know, everything works with geometry. And then I also figured out it's really intelligent because, because geometry has a finite answer, whereas rest of the architecture has no finite answer. Once you are set with that form mm. and you just continue to work with it with that and it's it's geometry it, it, it it's either that way or that way it's, it's it don't have any other ways yeah and so and they figure out a way how to do it and it's kind of funny different partners have a different geometry that they follow really yeah um i i am who's really really brilliant i'll get back to that a little bit later his his geometry is to me was like the 30, um, 60, 60, the equilateral triangles. Okay. And many of the things either is either tri triangles like that, or it becomes a parallelogram that that forms that. And then a lot of the modules that we use is kind of based on that. Harry Cobb, on the other hand, is also using triangle, but is a diagonal of double square, and also has this magic to it. And all his buildings is kind of following that particular module. And Jim Freed has, it's a kind of combination of different things that yeah. he's on his own. Um, so it was interesting for me to kind of learn that at very young age, how geometry is important to the firm and, and how each one of them takes, take that. <clears throat> and one of, the, one, of the, one of the big thing I also learned is that over the years, they have perfected many things, including concrete. Mm. Um, um, something I didn't didn't realize at the time and then when I look back it was going wow all these years that they experiment with all the different concrete that's why you get that kind of super fine yeah. product that you get at National Gallery or the Louvre and stuff like that so pretty pretty impressive now going back to the IM experience I got to work with him on a very small project which is only a plaza for a IBM complex in uh, in um, somewhere in Georgia and what I was given was like a, a, a drawings that somebody had attempted before, and I took that work on nights and weekends. That, yep. was, that was the deal, <laughs> and and um, and and did a proposal. And we were we were in uh, the very first um, individual meeting with him was three of us: I am myself and the project manager. And I put the drawings on there. Did you know? Did all the work, and he came in and looked at the drawings. Less than less than ten seconds, shake his head says doesn't work, and then I was going, <laughs> and out on the exterior I was yeah. smiling and said, okay, what does it work? Inside you were just right? crushed, and then in, inside <laughs> I was like, what do you mean it doesn't work? I spent a lot of effort on that, right? <clears throat> and then then he goes around and explain why it doesn't work, the scale and this and that, and I was and I was just my 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 jaw was just dropping. It's like, wow, I'm here ten minutes with a with yeah. a master, and I learn so much more than mm. I have a year and a half out in the studio. Yeah. And so you can just imagine the people that work with him directly on certain certain projects and there's a certain there's a certain charm and certain talent that he has and and influence in us. A lot of in a lot of offices that you go to, they have to make their employee to work late and this and right. that. And with him and most of the office you really want to just be just there, and it, be you want to be there to yeah. to really perfect the product because because that that's kind of culture that we get. I love that he took the time, even though I mean, as a master, he immediately knew why it may not work, but he took the time to go through it with you instead of just being like, you know, it's not going to work and walk out. Right? There's the, back to your idea of mentorship. There's almost that idea of mentorship yep. where he explains why it doesn't work, 
And then instead of being completely defeated, it gives you this motivation to go back to the drawing board and try again. Yeah, I think I think that uh, he's also quite charming. I mean, you saw the um, the um, My- Myerson mm-hmm. Symphony Hall over yes, there, yes. and then there's a story on that too. That's that was happening when I was in the office. Really, and then I remember the original budget on that was fifty million dollars, and he was and and it was not the design that he wanted. Uh, well, no, actually. Yeah, the budget was fifty million. Then the design that he came out to be was t- was to be a hundred million, and instead of doing a lot of VEs like yeah. what we usually do, he was able to convince the owner to bring it up, up, up to to to, have to get to the, to get to the design yeah. that he wanted. So so that's kind of the story, and he's he's quite charming on that. And so he can charm with the client. He can charm with the the, the people that work in the work in the office to yeah. say, "Hey, you know, this is really good." And and if we do a little bit more, it's it's, it's building the value. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's it, that was that was a really good experience. That I even though that was a small project, that was that w- I was exposed to that. Well, and it stands out in your mind, and I, yeah. I bet that that's something you think about often. What about when you went to Foster? Tell me a little about that. Foster is a is a complete different animal, and and again, I had really good experience on that in terms of it helped me today how I approach building designs. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to the in addition to the building concept, very very early on, it's very, all very logical, and then that may be the British way of doing things. So we understand the structure, we understand the services, which mm-hmm. is you know mechanical, electrical, plumbing, and all that. And we actually have a, uh, a zoning diagram in section and plan so that there's no conflict or less conflict on that. So in that sense, that was really amazing. Um, I also learned a lot of things that, that for me, is that what not to do. Uh, the office is so, so talented, and the competition is very, very strong. Mm. And to the point that I felt a little bit strange where somebody on the same team said, well, no, your pipe are not going through my space. <laughs> and so, so, so that, was, that was a little bit an eye-opening. It's like, I thought we were working on the same project, yeah. right? And so, so that, com- that kind of competitiveness, I understand why they want to com- make it com- competitive. Right. Um, but to an to extent like that, to create that kind of culture was something I was going, I don't know if I'd like yeah. working in an office like There's that. There's pros and cons <clears throat> to both of that. Right, right. And primarily what you were doing at Foster was the airport, correct? Yeah. Then after that, what, where'd you go next? I, I, went to, I went to France. Okay. Um, I was recruited by some friends of a friend and stuff like that. They wanted to set up an um, a office in, in Asia and wanted me to be the director over there. And so before that, they wanted me to go back to the, the main office in Angers in France to get to know the people, get to understand the culture before starting up, started the office there. Got so that was another unique experience. So I was almost like living on the airplane, so flying back and <laughs> back forth. Back and forth. <laughs> while, while my wife and I supposedly live in France, yep. and I, I did spend almost half the time in Asia uh, just going back and forth. Wow. Um, so I, it, I, I enjoy that. Yeah. It's, again, it was, it was a fun experience. And then... Um, Towards the end of that, we, my wife and I th- thought, 
France is nice. We just went through a winter. We didn't like the weather there <laughs> and said, no, maybe we should go home. Maybe we should move back to the States now. And just before I did that, um, I kind of, um, oh, the guy who contacted me to go to foster Hong Kong, he was a classmate of mine from USC, um, contacted me and says, hey, we talked about we were going to have our own office. And now I set up an office in Hong Kong. You want to come and join me? Um, that was a great great opportunity for me to have mm -hmm. an, my own office and yeah. all that but my wife on the other hand didn't like it um, um, so so took it some 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 some, some convincing, convincing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah her experience in, in in Hong Kong the first couple of years was not that pleasant yeah and so 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 I spent another three and a half years in Hong Kong um, um, doing a lot of interior architecture um, so that was kind of fun, and also t and there's also some challenges. And I know some of the things related to start your own business yeah, and everything. Everything stops here, yeah. right? And the most difficult thing for me for that was the cash flow, as well. And the other challenge was uh, when we had to let people go, mm. and that was that, that was the tough thing that I, I learned on that and said, no, I don't want to be there anymore. <laughs> it gives you a whole new appreciation for the HR department and the marketing department exactly. and the accounting department. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So then after Hong Kong? After Hong Kong, I came back here. That's where I work with um, Pay Partnership. Mm -hmm. um, basically, it's I am Pay's two sons working on the UCLA hospital, Ronald Reagan Hospital now. Um, and it's kind of interesting because in, in some ways it's, it's like back to working at IM Pay's office mm -hmm. because this, the system is the same. We all follow the module and then there's a certain yeah. things and then you have an answers to, to each one of that and doing good details on, on, the, on, on the buildings. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> that was that and then I spent basically about three and a half years on that and towards the end of that, things are under construction and we were the design architect and I was sitting in a trailer they didn't have much to do all the time <laughs> and so some some of the time I was busy looking at some else and some of the time I had nothing to do I said yeah. the time that I had nothing to do I said oh t time to move on that's yeah. when I went to MRY <clears throat> and and all along you're working on these different kinds of projects which we're gonna we're gonna talk about in a second but that you get to MRY tell me a little about some of those projects because you did some stuff in Shanghai you did some stuff in Kuala Lumpur, is that right? Yeah, yeah. All those, all those projects are with MRY. And so at MRY <clears throat> is where I kind of start doing a lot more education project. Mm -hmm. The first project is the Duke University. Um, it's a laboratory building. I've never done a laboratory building before that. And I remember having some, some heartache getting some, um, the estimate at where the mechanical was super high. I was going, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then later on I learned, yeah, it yeah. makes sense because it's a lab. Yeah. But I'm always, I was comparing that to other building types. Um, <clears throat> so, so that's where I kind of learned um, a lot of the education stuff. MRY for the, the um, university work for many, many years, that's kind of their bread and butter. Mm -hmm. um, for a long time, they didn't even have to do any kind of marketing work. The phone would just ring, and then people would ask word them to do mouth. this. And yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, so um, that's where I did most of my education work there. And now, I, was it something? Was there something drawing you to education work, or that was what was available at the time? Or well, at MOI, I would say more than fifty percent, maybe sixty percent of the work is is um, education. Is education. 
Um, I did do other work there. I have some um, major, major master plan projects in Cayman Islands and, um, and China. Mm-hmm. Um, but education is one of those things that that um, we have we have a lot yeah. of those type of projects, and also when I was in at IM Pace office, that was something I was going. Oh, I wish I was working on one of these education projects because it's di- very different from the developer driven project, and working in education and 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 commercial, there's a big difference, especially on higher ed. Yeah, and one thing that really, really make me enjoy working on a higher ed project is. I, we're dealing with really smart people. Yeah, right. It's, it's it's they're not just talking about okay, I want I want to make this much dollar at the end of this project. Right. They just are looking for a facility and they figure out how the best way to teach the students. There's an um, intrinsic value to it. Yeah, and they even though they don't understand how to put a building together or anything related to the buildings, but you know they really want to create something best best environment for students to mm-hmm. learn, best environment for them to work, and Overall, they just you know many mo- many of them most of them are professors and they're just very nice people. Yeah. Compared to some of the some of the um, uh, commercial clients. Yeah. Where the 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 end goal is very different. How do you feel like <clears throat> the the from a design perspective the work that you did on the commercial and the aviation type projects, mm-hmm. um, among others, kind of influenced your perspective and your how you created designs for the education sector. I think they're quite different, you know. As, as you understand, as you know, that different sectors, the approach is quite different. Sure. Um, obviously, every every type of building, you want to be as efficient as possible. Sure. And that is much more talked about in the in the commercial front. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember at IM Pace office, you know, we had this kind of funny geometry that that's not very usable, and we sometimes we we kind of step back and says, hmm, that may not be the best best thing for the for the client right and sometimes that may be an issue from the client said well I got this a little funny angle that I can't use um, but those are the things that we talked about in the commercial front on aviation it, the scale is just totally different yeah right um, it's almost like designing cities <laughs> right 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 and and on the healthcare front my experience was mostly the public spaces um, so I wouldn't know much about the um, the, the the patient room layouts and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, there were other people better than we are doing sure. doing those, and so our things was about was about uh, people's experience, and that ties a little bit together. Well, I guess it's all the same about people's experience, specifically aviation, um, healthcare, and and education. There's a lot of that. You know, you come here. How do you how do you experience the space? Um, healthcare and education is something that you have much more repeated experience. Yeah. They have a very direct effect on the people that inhabit them. Right, yeah. right, right. And so, so it's based on that, and um, and a lot of them. I think on education is a lot of them is on the um, pedagogy of mm-hmm. how how things are being taught. And right now, if you talk to anybody in education, everybody wants this kind of flexible spaces because yeah. they just those things change so fast that once you are, once you once you build these walls, they think oh the room is either too big or too small. Totally. And so so that is one of those things that we focus in the last last many years on trying to how do you figure out a way to make the buildings flexible? And I can get into like the example of um, the the 
the business school that we did for Asia School Business yeah, in Kuala absolutely. Lumpur. Um, early on when we were doing the programming and we kind of know these are the type, type of spaces that they need for how many people and but they didn't know if they want to have a tiered classroom or, or a flat classroom or something like that. So on the design, um, very early on, uh, when we're doing the programming kind of stacking those kind of spaces, we have these kind of modules. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great for the, the bigger classroom would be like this, and the smaller classroom would be half of that or a third of that. So we cre- throughout the building, we kind of having these kind of modules kind right. of, um, place them. And then in between are the... Um, on the collaborative spaces outside of these classrooms that you can that you, that you can sit that you around. you can use, right. right. So, so that one, even today, is a tier classroom. They can change that to a flat, or change, <clears throat> they can change that to two or three. We did those kind of study early on, so so those those things helps a lot on <clears throat> on the on the education front with all, with all these flexible spaces. Well, and you're able to look now and see that it had the flexibility that you hoped it had at the beginning, even today. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about the Shanghai Tech University project, because that was huge. That was, you know, five colleges and a student center and a library and housing. I mean, it was just a massive project. Uh, yeah, as you know, it's 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 pretty typical for China. You know, there, it's hard to get a small project. Yeah. Now, right? Once you do anything, <laughs> everything's it's, it's big. Just, everything is big. <laughs> and that one is just kind of landed on our lap in some ways. It, it, I'll, I'll give you a little history behind it. So we just got a phone call and from, from somebody saying they were thinking about doing the IT college. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, the reason they called us because one of the chairman's assistant happened to have gone to MIT Sloan mm-hmm. and we just did a building there at, you know, over there. So they looked us up and said, you know, this is a nice building. We'll, we'll contact this architect. And so that, that, that's what started. And they, and they said, when we send them our, um, our, the, the company experience and, and profile, they said, oh, you guys do master plan. These guys actually the point out to the to the client. These guys actually, uh, you know, want to do the master plan. We're just one of the college in, yeah. in the master plan. Would you be interested? I said, sure. So we had no idea who these, you know, who the clients were. Yeah. And then and then we got in a conversation with the client. And we went over there, and so they invited us. They wanted to do a master plan study. I said, great. And they were going to pay us to do that, yeah. which is pretty amazing for China. Yeah. And so we did, we were doing that. And then maybe, maybe three or four weeks into it, we found out there's like four other firms doing the same thing. <laughs> you and were then, inadvertently in a competition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we said, we keep on calling it a competition. They said, oh, no, no, no. You guys are all, all doing like a different studies. Yeah. And it's not a competition. It's, it's, it's a competition. Every, it's a competition. <laughs> so, so um, we finished that in about two and a half months or so. And um, and went over there, and it was a competition. You know, we competed with with f- four international firms, including yeah. us, and then one uh, one local. And we didn't we didn't have a model. There's a um, there's there. I, I think KPF or somebody had like humongous model there, and yeah. we just go, oh no, there goes our this there goes yeah. our opportunity <laughs> chances. And we end up we actually end up winning the competition. That wasn't the competition. <laughs> yeah, that, that, and then and then took took many many months. Uh, took about eight months to negotiate what they want to do and stuff right. like that. We were just hoping that we can get one or two buildings. Yeah. And what they say is like, okay, this is how it's going to work. We're going to give you, you, you get to pick. We're going to divide this campus into three. You guys do this, do this one. And KPF, you know, will do another third. And the locals will do the housings and stuff like that. You right. guys do the concept and they, they'll finish up. And so we, I w- we went over there to negotiate a contract. 
I came back very happy. We got a third of the campus. Yeah. And so I got, I think I got back on a Friday night. Saturday afternoon, I got a call from from our, our colleagues in Shanghai, telling us that um, they dropped KPF and they were asking us you if we do all of if it. we can do all the stuff that KPF was doing. Yeah. And that that changes the the whole game, right? Yeah. Because initially you need maybe twenty twenty five people to work on these, <laughs> and all of a sudden you need the other yeah. the other group to do the other ones. Um, so we talked about it. We were going to take on two campus because it's it's. Um, it's on just on the other side of the main gallery, which is connecting the the residential to the the future development things, right. and then and then feeds off the four colleges. And so we thought, okay, maybe we'll do these two, and the other one a little bit off. Maybe we'll let somebody else do it. Maybe the local guys. And so that's how we got started. Um, um, very very fast during the co- during the contract negotiation. That it was in early October, and they said we want to start construction in, in December. <laughs> yeah. Oh my word. And 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 I told my colleagues, I said, "Don't worry. You know, if they can do it, we can do it. Yeah, you know, we, we we can compete. They're not. They, maybe they will have a ceremonial um, groundbreaking. Yeah, and throwing have, some sand with some gold shovels type thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so 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 that's what that's exactly what happened. So so they had a, a, a major ceremony. You know, get get something started. I think it's very political, right? Yeah. So they have to get that one started. And so we were designing as we go. Yeah. And some of that experience was interesting um, because we really had to design as we go. Something that they built that is not supposed to be there, and we had to change our design to modify so it, yeah. so it makes sense. Some of the things like um, we saw we saw it on the on the shop joint of the steel. We said, this is wrong, in wrong place, wrong shape, blah, blah, blah. And we went to the site. They were installing that. Exact same oh, thing. No. Wrong steel, <laughs> wrong size, wrong location, and all that. So, so that was quite a challenge. And then all that put was came together, designed and built, probably in a three and a half to four years. Wow. And so, so that was pretty, pretty amazing experience. And then, for me personally, the first three months of the project was hell because yeah. everything was going through me. You can just imagine how how much information. Sure. And then once we started the um, kind of schematic design, and I kind of divided up the teams. I said, okay, you guys do this, and you guys. T- you know, were able to delegate some it, of it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. You guys can, can coordinate <laughs> with them directly, and then just copy me on everything, and come, you know, get me involved on the bigger issues. Yeah. And I don't need not everything needs to go through me. Yeah. So and then that worked out a lot better, um, and was a really really amazing experience. And early on, you were talking about those those, yeah. um, those fancy dinners with yeah. the client. We we experienced some of those. <laughs> I bet you did. Well, I've I've seen some pictures, and we'll put some in the on the screen. But they are is a beautiful project. Um, and the other project I wanted to ask you about was the Discovery Building project because uh-huh. that was one of your your last projects at MRY. Mm-hmm. So that project again is a little is a little bit of unique um, i didn't start it off work being assigned to work on that full time mm-hmm. i was supposed to be mentoring a couple guys one on a pa position one at a pm position kind of knowing what to do because we we have a um, MRY is only working a portion of it that was a collaborating project with HED mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and so Halfway through, I was in. I was in. Um, not even halfway through. During schematic design, one of the the PM that I was supposed to mentor, yeah. he decided to leave, and so little by little, I get dragged into that and become um, becomes the PM for that project. And that was a a project. It's it's semi unique because it's working with another another 
architectural firm, and we didn't say you do you do design, you do construction, and we kind of split the building in half. We mm. were dealing with the outside, and they were dealing with the inside. Um, and so it was a good way for us, for me, to learn about the K to twelve buildings. Yeah, you know, some of the things. Some of the things, especially how they treat certain materials, we have to choose some pretty robust materials yeah. because it's, because it's K twelve. Those kids can rip through materials right, pretty quickly. Right. And so, so, so for me, it was an eye opening experience because yeah. I'm so used to designing higher ed, and then coming back to think, oh no, you cannot use that. Oh no, you cannot use that. Yeah. That type of approach. So that was a good um, uh, learning experience for me, and specifically for California project. Um, California here we have DSA and yeah. and um, everything has to go through DSA and that that project allow us to allow me to see some of that um, experience, some of some of the challenges working with DSA. It's not that different from like a, your normal plan check people, yeah. but it's just one specific group and that that is super, super um, tough or impression to be really tough yeah. um, uh, for the K-14 uh, market here. So, you know, even before the pandemic, there was a trend, especially in higher education, to kind of push things virtual, online, mm-hmm. um, University of Phoenix, those kinds of things where people were able to do a lot more of the higher education without being in an actual building. So are physical buildings still important to higher education? I think so. I think so. I I, you know, it's just like our office. It, 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 almost, almost all the education requires that collaboration, especially interdiscipline mm-hmm. uh, collaboration. And if you if you do that from home or from your dorm, it just, you just maybe the dorm is a little bit better because at least you are exposed to other people. Yeah. But from home, you you just cannot you, you can't you you can't do you can't get the same thing. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think it's going to affect the new new buildings going forward however i do think that um, there are some of the things that can be taught virtually and then for some some universities or some schools that has a lot less space mm-hmm. they may be able to revamp and then get something that's more efficient some school like usc um <clears throat> They're landlocked. They, yeah. they, they basically don't have any place to expand. So they have to be creative in how to use this space to, to maximize it. Mm-hmm. Some of it is going to be their operation. You know, they can, they can put different people on there at different time so that they max out. Right. Um, in, terms of the, in terms of designing the spaces, I think it's still going to be really important and even much more important to be flexible. Yeah. Right. Well, so is there... Um, uh, I'm curious, you know, talking about the mentorship and and um, being mentored. Let's say that you had the opportunity to go back to your 21, 22 year old self. <laughs> what what is it that you would say? What what what's a piece of advice or or something you wish somebody had told you at that time? That's a good one. I don't know. I don't know. Is in terms of the. You know, when I was there, at the, when I was there at that time, um, I some of the professors their their lifestyle is is exactly what I was envisioning when 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 I'm at this age. Right. right? Maybe I have my own firm, and I'll be teaching, yeah. and I'll be um, mentoring some of the some of the students over there. And so now, I, what I'm doing is I'm still mentoring the kids without yeah. being te- 
um, teaching the studio and stuff like that, um, being involved with the local university, UCLA right. and USC. Um, but if I were to go back to tell myself about that, mm, I would say I would say that um, to get to understand the business side of the of the practice a lot more mm. early on, because I really had no clue about that until I lived in Hong Kong. Because uh, Hong Kong is very, very, uh, it's kind of in your face type of, you need to understand these kind of business sure. type of things. And so I think understanding the business part of being an architect, understanding that is really important, especially a lot of the designers who's always dreaming. Yeah. And for, for a project to, be, to, to get built, we really have to understand all of that, all of that front, you know, what, what our clients are, what, what, what's important to yeah. them. <clears throat> Is there a project that's like a dream project for you that you would love to do that you haven't had the opportunity to do, whether it's in education or not? Like there's something you just wish you had the opportunity to do? You talk to 100 architects and you're probably going to get 99 answers say, I would love to do a museum. <laughs> I've right? heard that. Yes, <laughs> and then you know that's <clears throat> that's 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 one that's one. Why thing is that, that something that ninety nine architects would say? Because that's that um, that's something that that's very 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 few opportunities for architect mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And then uh, the unfortunate thing is some architects get all of that. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. they just do museums and museums only. That's pretty all much. Do. Yeah. Um, They're the one that wouldn't say a museum out of nine hundred. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, but most for most people, because those are the the, the spaces are very simple. Mm. Uh, uh, it's very it's not cluttered at all, and and you deal with the basic fundamental of architecture. You deal with structure. You deal with light. You you deal with circulation, um, and maybe we all start with our profession that way. You know, doing some kind of doing or not uh, not profession studies that way. There will be some kind of some kind of spaces like that in in your academia experience, and then that's probably the most enjoy one uh, enjoyable one. So that's probably why most people say that. So if I'm, if I'm walking through the Anthony Wong muse designed museum, uh -huh. what, what, do I, what do I see? What stands out? Like what's this, what are some of the features? I would think that for me, something that, something, something's gonna be in that, the, the, in there for sure, mm -hmm. is some kind of light. Mm. How the natural light comes in, and probably with some kind of, something with a contrast, and that's on the inside. On the outside, I'm hoping to be on some kind of dramatic site, yes. right? <laughs> that you can do something really, really special that people don't forget. You know, yeah. either on a cliff or on top of the mountain, like a, or on top of something like a like a Greek temple, mm -hmm. something something like that, right? That would be ideal. So I was just gonna say that um, couple, two or three of the buildings that really impact me, that really kind of touches that touches my soul. Mm -hmm. They're many nice buildings, but they're just nice buildings. Yeah. But then something that really touches my soul is um, the very first time I visited that um, chapel at MIT that Saranen mm. did. Right. The light comes from the side, and then you have this light coming. It's a tiny building, but you go over there, it's it kind of like you know, kind of stare you yeah. in a, in a different way. And then another one is the um, uh, Rangshamp in in mm. in France. Yep. Again, it's a very similar way. You go, you go into a very dark space, but the, the way the light comes in, you know, from the top, from the sides, and, and, and all of that. So those are the, something that 
I think something like that can actually kind of, you know, touch you, yeah. touch you in the heart, touch you in the soul that beyond a, a, a very nice building. <clears throat> if you weren't an architect, mm-hmm. what would you be? I don't know. Some, I think probably something to do with business. Mm. Because nowadays I'm, 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 I'm paying a lot of attention to the economics, the, the, the business side. Some, some of that is to help me to understand. So when I practice, mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, I, I, I'm in the a, in a same, same, um, same wavelength with, with those guys. Um, but I, I do find that there are also a lot of different, different um, opportunities, specifically like an entrepreneur type of, mm-hmm. you, do, you do certain type of research and you can bring this out to the market. Yeah. But that whole process, that whole thing, it's interesting. Um, well, there's a lot of creativity exactly, that goes into that. Exactly, exactly. Um, is there anything you wish you'd done differently along your career? I, I don't know. I have to think about that. You know, um, I, I, yeah, I, when, when I look back on my, um, on my career, um, I see that I had so many experiences and so many opportunities that many wish that I have, and I'm, I feel really blessed with that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I would, there's anything that I would do differently. Maybe, maybe the time when I left, when I left Hong Kong, in terms of career, mm-hmm. staying there and, and working with a, um, on the larger China market mm-hmm. was because that was that was still in the nineties and yeah. it's still early, and if I had done that, what would it be, mm-hmm. right? Um, but based on my experience there, I didn't really want to be the 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 the, the boss anymore, yeah. and so so that was um, you know maybe, maybe maybe that changed that. But I think that that was one opportunity. Is like hmm, I wonder, I wonder what happens, what right? Yeah. yeah. So you've you've been to these various firms. You've kind of collected um, a variety of experiences and types of architecture and projects, and and now you're at Corrigan. How did you get to be at Corrigan? Well, I think the, the first thing is I was looking for an exit mm-hmm. um, where I was. I love that place. I love MOI. I love the people there. I really liked, um, really loved uh, the the two partners there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just getting frustrated over there with the um, succession plan mm-hmm. or lack of, and I was even in, involved in some of those discussions, but wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. So I was looking f- looking for um, a, a opportunity elsewhere. With Corgan, what attra- I had no idea who Corgan was. Maybe six months before I contacted Corgan. Yeah. Right. It, it was just. Uh, I start seeing something on LinkedIn. I yeah. start seeing something specifically on the aviation um, portfolio, and it was the um, the winning of the Chicago competition yep. Yep. that kind of triggered and then put me to the the side. Okay, I'm gonna try to try to um, uh, contact Corgan and see what Corgan is about. Yeah, and so so I, over the time I started getting more and more and looking at the website and stuff like that. And when I talk to people, especially here, nobody knows about Corgan. Even the recruiters, they have no idea. And so um, first I connected with Scott mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, just connection. And he, he accepted. And then um, another, maybe another few weeks later, I thought, you know, 
I'm just going to contact him, write him a message, because I didn't want to go through the same, the the submit my the through 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 the yeah. HRs and stuff. Yeah. I go once these get out there, it, everybody's going to know. Yeah. So I'm just going to I'm just going to um, go to Scott directly, and and so I sent him basically. I'm interested in working with Corgan, blah blah blah, and yeah. you you have my profile on LinkedIn. Take a look, and if you if you're interested, let's talk more. Two days later, I got a response on that, and then so that's that's where we started a conversation. Yeah. Um, I express I express where I am in architecture, mm-hmm. um, where I like to where, where I like to be, what I like to do, and then um, Scott and Steve also say, you know from the Corgan side, yeah. what, what Corgan is looking for and, and stuff like that. So initially it wasn't like a perfect, a perfect match immediately. Yeah. And then time, you know, um, one meeting after another, we kind of come closer and closer and closer. And Scott was great, not pushing. Yep. And then at the end of each, each one of the meetings we had, and we'll communicate and says, so would you like to move on to the next step? Yeah. Yeah. So, so. So that's how that's how I got that's how I got to Corgan in a very unique way, not yeah. through, not going through the, the the usual way, the traditional way. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. So 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 again, that's a that's an interesting story. Yeah. How is how has Corgan been? Because you've been at Corgan for two years. Two now. years now. Yep. How is that? What what has that last two years been like? Well. You know the pandemic is it's yeah. a, it's a big it's portion not, of it, right? It's, it's, it's skewed it <laughs> so, slightly, I'm sure. Yeah. So 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 year and a half of that working from home, um, I have to say, you know, it's a really really positive experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the people. Yeah. I really like the culture. Um, what my what I'm tasked to do is a little bit challenging uh, for for California based on more almost all of our experience on education is in Texas mm-hmm. and in California they want to see California tell me a little bit more about that challenge because there's there's obviously schools or schools but there's probably some differences between Texas schools and California schools and how you think about the design okay so let's go the easier one first okay fair enough on the higher education universities and stuff like that there is really not much difference it's, it's, it might as well be the difference between USC versus UCLA. Got it. So the requirement isn't that, isn't that different. And um, so that's, that's the easy part. The most, the most challenging part is the K through 14. Mm. Because of California legislation, all the pro- I think I mentioned earlier, all the project has to go through DSA. And DSA is a, a specific body. DSA stands for? Department of State Architects. Got it. And so it's a very specific group that checks on the normal things that we would need to do anyway, accessibility, right. uh, life, fire, life, safety, and structure. We'll have to deal with that on the normal buildings. Sure. But specifically, they, they check on those, and it has to get, go through a lot of forms and process. And so the perception from the client is that they want to see how many DSA projects you have done you know, in the last five years. Right. They, they, may, they may expect 10. And so... So a firm like Corgan, we don't have any. We have tons of education experience, but not any DSA experience. Full 60 years of different projects, right. but we don't have DSA. And right. sometimes they don't even say DSA, they just say California. Yeah. Because on community college, there's a certain funding system going, going through that system. Um, community college has to go through, get this, go through the funding through Sacramento, through another group. Sure. You know, it's, it's all, the, all the different 
um, process that you need to go through. Yeah. The actual design of the school is exactly the same. Yeah. So it's that process, and they are concerned that you don't have that type of experience. Right. And so that's that posed a challenge for us, education studio here, on that on that specific front. The other challenge is it's less on on the building design. It's just um, our presence in California. Mm-hmm. LA office is relatively new. People don't know who we are, mm-hmm. and I would go to events, and and people would say, "What do you guys do? Yeah. You know, are you a contractor? Are you a supplier? Are yeah. you, are, you know, whatever." <laughs> and I get I get that from from clients. I get that from contractors, um, or they may know, "Oh, Corgan, you guys are aviation guys. Yeah, you know, the, the 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 bigger contractors know who we are. Right. Uh, so that 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 presents uh, the challenge, you know, for what I do, but. Um, Going back to your first question, I am loving everything here. Yeah. Um, um, sometimes, sometimes it's a little bit frustrated because I run into some some kind of walls. Yeah. And my other hat that I have that I'm wearing here at Corgan is the studio design director. Yeah. Which helped me to um, keep my keep my brain cell going. Yep, yep. And having that conversation with the design council, the design executive group. Um, with Hugo, yep. sometimes with you guys, yeah. and and um, just just that just those kind of discussions, and I was involved on some of the um, critique on the um, on the uh, education projects yep. in Texas, and those are the the things that's kind of keeping me keeping me going. Yep. And they re- give you the fuel to go do the rest of the of the items. Yeah, because I mean, on, on some sometimes on some of the because we are taking on a lot of smaller projects here. Yeah, and some of those just kind of filling up forms and then doing something really almost no architecture involved, right? And you're doing that for weeks to, and, and months. And so while doing that and having the a balance between that and um, having design discussions yeah. helps a lot. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's probably for many of the, even just the technical staff in the office while they are doing, in CA, they may be doing a lot of submittals and or they do a lot of the... Um, CDs and doing a lot mm-hmm. of details, and they don't get to st- step back and think about design. I think yeah. for an architect, we really need that, not that kind of balance. Yeah. And having those kind of discussions, um, sometimes it's not even a design problem, but it's a it's a design a, a design direction how to make how to make our firm better and stuff like that. Those right. kind of things, it's 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 great. It's yeah. been great. So, Anthony, thank you so much for for being here and for having this conversation with us, sharing all this knowledge with us. And thank you so much for watching this square. Make sure to check out the next episode. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you.